You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers move to 2-0 on the young season with an 85-49 victory over Northern Illinois in a game that was really dominant in all the ways that the Eastern Michigan game wasn't. Uh, Indiana jumped out to an early lead uh, and just continued to push it out all the way through the first half into the second half, uh, and really even all the way toward the very end as the bench emptied uh, and they closed uh, playing playing good basketball. Uh, a nice, entertaining game that I think universally Indiana fans enjoyed in the first half, maybe as much as any half of Indiana basketball in recent memory. Just a very, very fun night of basketball, and we are going to break it all down for you here on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I am Jared Morris, and yes... We have all four of our hosts assembled at the same time. It doesn't happen very often, but we are here tonight. Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, all here to talk about this game. But let's start the show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for the banner moment, I'm going to go back to the first half when this game was decided. And it's got to be a defensive play, because this was a game where Indiana's defense absolutely set the tone. They were suffocating from the first minute of the game. Pretty much all the way throughout with a little bit of slippage in the second half, but there wasn't almost any slippage in that first half. And really, to me, the defining moment of the uh, of, of the first half defensively was Trace Jackson Davis's sixth block shot in which he just absolutely skied and took a shot that was really in like mid arc. And I guess you probably you could have called it a goaltend, but it was almost so impressive that he went up and got it that I think the officials just weren't quite sure exactly what it was. Who cares? It was an incredible defensive play by Trace, and it was a symbol of Indiana's outstanding first-half defense, which was suffocating, it was active, it was energetic. Trace basically was a one-man moat around the rim, not letting Northern Illinois get anything. And, you know, you could see it in that whenever Northern Illinois would actually get a sliver of space, they were too sped up to do anything, and they were too shook that they would, you know, turn the ball over or put some wild shot up on the rim that didn't have a chance. It was terrific defense from Indiana, and Trace Jackson Davis himself was just awesome in the first half. 17 points, 7 boards, 6 block shots. He was a one-man wrecking crew, really played like an All-American, and that blocked shot uh, was just emblematic of a first-half defense that keyed this victory for Indiana. All right. Well, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel. They are now in their fifth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call, and they're first as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And in case you missed it, they recently did a brand refresh where they added three new items to bring their extensive IU collection to more than 40 items. I know, I know, they've got all these other schools now, but they have far more Indiana items than any because they're an IU brand at heart. Uh, but with the brand refresh, they have a shirt commemorating the 1987 National Championship season, a brand new bison design, which is awesome, and a new oval design as well. So if you're thinking about Christmas shopping for the IU fan in your life, Homefield is definitely the place to go. And Homefield probably has something for the non-IU fans on your list as well, with more than 100 schools now being represented. Go to homefieldapparel.com right now, well, after you listen to the show, then go there, and start crossing names off of your holiday shopping list. You can use the promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME at homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. 
All right, gentlemen, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And Andy, we will go to you first. First, your bottoms line on this Indiana victory. I mean, I feel like had it not been for the officiating, really grinding things to a halt, it took a little bit of the enthusiasm out of how we would have really felt about the game, that it just kind of slowly sucked the life out of all of us over the second half. But uh, in all honesty, I mean, go back to the first half, just a, a thorough, dominant performance. IU scored 1.31 points per possession and allowed 0.56. Hankson in Northern Illinois, who came in, having scored 28, I think, against against Washington, had three. He hit a three with 17.05 left to play in the first half and didn't score the rest of the game. Uh, So I think, you know, saw a bit more shot making. And Jared, I think it was you who tweeted something in the first half that, like, a a snapshot of stats that said, this is kind of what the team uh, can can hope for get to the free throw line a lot, make a good percentage, make about a third of the three pointers and play really tough defense. And I think that will probably have to be the recipe for this team. Uh, this could have been even more lopsided had they, uh, had they made a few of the open threes that they did miss, but a great opportunity to let a lot of guys play uh, I, I, just a, a really solid all around performance uh, despite the, both the camera work and the officiating uh, trying to ruin it for us, but nothing gets the assembly call uh, host group to turn out than a Friday night game on BTN plus against the bottom level Mac school. That's how you get all four of us together. So now we know the formula to make that happen. What does this say about us and our life choices? That this is what we do on Friday night. No, nothing good. Well, guys, I, I, I know that. For the whole show. But other than that, I don't know what your guys' excuses. This is only it's only six twenty four out here. So, uh, well, Ryan, let's see. Andy took the uh, the officiating. He already mentioned the poor camera work. So, what do you have left to rant about? Uh, he didn't take the officiating the way I want to take the officiating. Guys, forty five fouls in a forty point blowout, like. <laughs> Read the room, guys. It's rules, rules, damn it. We can't have (laughs) for the first half for the first part of the second half. There was a foul called on every single possession. Guys, everybody wants to go to dinner. Like, what are you doing? It, It that was just it was so absolutely absurd. I get they didn't want it to get chippy because of some of the things that happened in the first half, but Calling a foul in every play is only going to frustrate everybody. What you want in that situation is for the clock to run and run out so these players are away from each other as soon as possible. But uh, one thing, the the thing I'm going to note, though, about the game that I thought was interesting is, of course, all 13 players played. Uh, Look at some of the times on the court. Uh, Xavier Johnson, 19 minutes. Cop, 19 minutes. Jackson Davis, 26. Thompson, 16. Uh, Stewart, 17. Finnessy, 17. Durr, 10. Leo, 5. Lander, 7. Geronimo, 18. Galloway 23. I mean, they all played, you know, other than Trace, nobody played more than 25 minutes. This is what you want from an early season game. You want to get everybody in, get everybody comfortable on the floor and don't tire your starters and, 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 uh, and, and stars out. And so that was the, the big takeaway I had. Look, they played great defense that, that they were suffocating defensively for a team that beat Washington the other day. They made them look pedestrian at best offensively. The offense, it looked like the ball movement was much better. They have to hit open shots. Parker Stewart over four and all four were really good looks. He's got to knock those down. A couple other guys, you know, Finnessy had a couple that, that he's really, or he had, we had one in the corner that he's got to hit. Um, so I, you know, there are, there are nits to pick here, but a good thing to get out of there with a blowout win, feeling really good about themselves, and they didn't tire anybody out. Trace Jackson Davis didn't play 37 minutes or whatever it was, and you get out of there with a solid win, 
And the defense, I think, is what we're all going to be encouraged about moving forward. They really looked aggressive defensively. After years of looking very passive defensively, they look aggressive. They look like they can recover. If you make a mistake, okay, fine. We'll go get it back on the other end. Then we'll come back and be just as aggressive. And and that wears offenses down. So that those were the positives for me. Uh, the negative, certainly, the officiating. I mean, guys... <laughs> Don't you have to leave town at some point? Like, why do you want to send this game forever? So, yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, it is the birthday boy. Happy birthday. Coach Tonsoni. Coach, I'm guessing you're going to be in a much better mood tonight than you were after the Eastern Michigan game. Well, you know, three days can really change a guy. That game made me so happy. I'm going to eat carrots live on the show. What is I mean, going as, on? Bad, as bad as the game was offensively Wednesday or Tuesday, it made me even want to eat carrots. I don't like carrots. I do now because this offense was really enjoyable, and I can smile despite eating this awful vegetable or fruit or whatever it is. I blame blame Chad for this. I blame Chad for this. (laughs) Okay. We should probably just end the show right there. That was the high note. What What else is there to say? Hey, um, the defense defense is going to carry this team. That was an outstanding defensive performance. It got a little loose late, but this is what you want in these games. You want the game to get out of hand, and then if you're going to have some struggles, it falters to a 28-30 something point game. What a great defensive performance, and that's going to carry when the shots don't fall because there were still some missed shots that need to go in. Uh, I thought the the shot selection was a, a heck of a lot better. Um, the bad shots were just late. Um, uh, we're just late shot clock situations. Uh, I, I thought their shot selection was a thousand times better. So yeah, I'm a happy guy. Well, and also so, let's, let's be real. They were getting open shots, which we haven't seen from an offense in quite a while. They were getting some wide open looks. They got to go down, but you're right. The shot selection was better because they were getting better looks. Uh, that, that's how we're going to have to rate games from now on coach. Like, like how many carrots was this one? Was this a five carrot game? Was this a four carrot game? You know, how many are you going to eat during the first segment? Um, so let's go back to the the beginning of the game. Um, because I think, look, the defense was the story of the first half. The defense was awesome. But the other thing that really jumped out to me from the tip tonight is how much of a difference maker Xavier Johnson is. He was awesome. And he was really good defensively. He had a couple steals. I thought he was really applying, you know, a lot of good ball pressure. But Ryan, where it really jumped out to me and the difference between, you know, the last few years of just such pedestrian offense for Indiana, you know, offense that would just have these possessions where they just couldn't do anything and you couldn't penetrate is Xavier Johnson can put pressure on the paint every possession. He can get in, he can break down a defense, and he can create offensive opportunities. Some of those are his own. He was four for five today, you know, hit some shots at the rim, got to the free throw line and made four. But he also creates opportunities for other people because there's just a gravity that he pulls people toward him as he's driving in to the lane. And Indiana has not had that. A guy who can just go get into the lane with purpose on pretty much any possession. Now, as he goes up against better defenders, obviously that'll be a little bit more difficult, but you really saw it tonight. Um, And I thought, you know, he had a couple of turnovers, whatever. He was awesome. 13 points, three assists, and those numbers obviously would have been a lot better if he'd played more minutes. But I thought his constant pressure on the paint early set the tone for Indiana offensively. 
Yeah, he carves up defenses. I mean, that's what he's going to do, and he's aggressive. And what, what I noticed today, and I, t- I tweeted this out, uh, which you should follow all of us on Twitter. Come on, guys. Uh, is You would know this if you followed me. But I tweeted out that they were being very aggressive uh, driving the basketball, and, and that was better than what we saw the other night. They were being very aggressive going north and south instead of just going sideways around the perimeter. I'm sure that was carved into them this week at practice, just north and south, north and south, attack the rim, make them defend you as opposed to making defending easy. Uh, and and he certainly early on was just, he was, he was, he, you look at it and you look at the numbers, you look at trace with 19 and seven and seven blocks. I mean, he's, he's going to get the game ball probably, but Xavier Johnson was the engine that made them go early on when he was just driving in the lane, cutting them up, looking for guys around the perimeter, only two turnovers two steals. Yeah, he made up for that with two steals. I mean, I, I think this was sort of the game where you realize what he could do and Hey, he also went to the line and made a couple free throws early on that sort of pushed the lead out a little bit. Uh, really set the tone in 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 this team, sort of being front facing in this game and not on their back foot. And and if he does that this season, this team can actually be pretty darn good. Yeah, well, I mean, and through two games, he's actually been Indiana's most reliable guard when it comes to making open three pointers. <laughs> you know, he's knocked down a couple of them. He's two for four. Uh, you know, and that's—I don't think he obviously isn't going to shoot that high of a percentage. Um, but it's that's a nice bonus to see him making those shots. Coach, can you talk about just the kind of impact having a guy like him makes on your offense? I thought the point guard play from both uh, X and Rob was fantastic for the most part. Are there some things to pick apart? Yeah. Um, a couple turnovers. They had, didn't have enough assisted turnovers, but, man, you're really reaching for stuff there. But I thought, uh, as Ryan said, the north-south game what was fantastic. It just creates so much. Uh, and, and you got to play off two feet when you get in there. Xavier sometimes gets a little loose. Uh, but I thought he did that. He, I thought he had a power game today. And then Rob was out there. You could just tell by Rob's body language. His body language is a thousand percent better. And I thought the point guard play was the reason the offense ran better. And, and then, you know, uh, with 14 minutes to go, it kind of got a little sloppy. And a- Andy, uh, in our text group, the, the referees just killed the vibe. Um, and, and that's the reason you got to fight through referees, too. So I'm sure that's going to be a point of, of film study that you can't let that slow you down. But uh, they put the pedal to the metal uh, offensively. And, and I charted shots, one, two, threes, and fours. One's bad shots, two are okay shots, depending on who's taking them. Threes are wide open and fours are, are layups are at the rim. And, and there were 60% threes and fours, which is really, really good because some of your twos, you want people taking shots that are somewhat contested. You can't wait for every perfect shot with shot clock. I thought that was so much better. That's what I expected on on Tuesday night. What I saw in the Bahamas, what I saw from uh, the secret scrimmage clips, that was the team that I saw that didn't show up on game one. That's what, what was, was disappointing. So point guard, and here's why. They ran the offense instead of looking to make home runs. Um, and their point, and Xavier got more opportunities because he was running the offense, I think is really good. Yeah, you know, and, and Andy, you know, the, the other two guys that we haven't talked a lot about, Parker Stewart and Miller Cop, you know, really struggling early on this season to get going offensively. You know, I think Miller Cop doesn't look fully healthy. Parker Stewart came out and knocked down his first two threes against Eastern Michigan and has, you know, missed a whole bunch of open looks. 
Um, I certainly don't think by any means that it's time to be concerned about either one of those guys because they have multiple year track records of being shot makers. You know, so I think it almost kind of makes what Indiana did offensively in that first half even a little bit more impressive. And maybe it's a sign that Northern Illinois just isn't very good defensively, you know, that they were able to to do that. But also I think it's, you know, it speaks to, you know, Race Thompson extending his game out a little bit and, you know, becoming maybe a credible threat from downtown. You know, he was one of two uh, tonight and he's clearly showing that if he's got space, he's going to shoot it which is going to make people, you know, respect him. So that's, you know, kind of one of the storylines coming in is can this team get a little bit more spacing on offense? Can they make opposing defenses respect them from downtown? You know, so far the numbers, you know, haven't been great, but I think, uh, again, no, no reason yet to be concerned about Miller Cop or Parker Stewart. I think they'll start knocking those shots down. One thing I'll say about, about Stewart, he's the guy who draws the initial assignment on Hankerson and, and I thought did, a pretty effective job defensively. Um, and, and I know that was something that came out of the Bahamas trip that he was really engaged uh, on the defensive end. So I think give him credit uh, for being able to shut him down. I didn't think he forced shots. I don't think he is a guy who's going to force shots uh, just based on the, the typical shots that he's going to get should be catch and shoot threes ideally. And that's uh, largely what he took tonight. So, I, you know, shot mechanics wise, I think he looks good. I think those will start to fall. He got into a rhythm uh, a little bit early in that Eastern Michigan game, and they didn't really get him many looks. Um, some of the stuff that I saw from Belmont suggested that he got into a little bit of a rhythm uh, at points in that game. And, and so I think it's, again, trying to figure out how you keep him engaged because I think his shots kind of came in bunches uh, in both games so far. But I, I think he, at least when you watch him play uh, within the game, w- was really engaged defensively, played well on that side. And at cop, like, like you said, I think it's, I think it was an ankle injury that he sustained in the Bahamas. It still looks like he's he's working his way back. Yeah, he's not that. he's not one hundred percent. He he doesn't. And I think the fact is that you've, um, you know, we've kind of seen Cop at least a little bit over the last few years to know get some idea of what he would be like when he's healthy. He just doesn't look healthy uh, at the very least. But um, you know, made a couple shots. Uh, you know, got to the free throw line, missed a shot, got an offensive rebound back, and, and put it in. So he had a, a stretch early in the second half when he scored all four of his points. Um, like he's going to be going to be better, but race, uh, you know, made one or two threes. He took those pretty close together as well. Showed that he wasn't, I think it was back-to-back possessions. He missed one. The very next one he had a, had an open look, took it and made it. So, uh, I, I think those are, he, he's going to be enough of a threat to pull people away from the basket. You've got Bates who's going to be able to step out and hit some. I just, I think there's a lot of somewhat streaky shooters on the team. It feels like at this point, so you got to figure out who's going on any given night, and then be able to to ride with that guy. But as as we mentioned earlier, I think if this team can hit 35 percent ish from three, like they were, I think 34, yeah, 34.8 tonight. I think most fans would take it, not just because they haven't shot it well over the last couple of seasons, but I think that's good enough to keep defenses honest and keep the floor spacing that Woodson wants. Well, what's interesting about that, they made eight threes and eight different guys made a three. Mm-hmm. So they, they, nobody had two. So uh, it shows that they can make them. Uh, the question is, how consistently can they make them? You tell me right now that we can shoot 34.8% from three this year. I'll take it. And that we're going to take 23 a game. I would take that every day of the week. We, Indiana, this is, it's a formula for Indiana to win. Eight of 23 from downtown. Make 23 of 30 of your free throws and be efficient from two. That's the formula for this team. Ryan, one thing you know that I want to ask you about before we get out of segment one, 
um, because I know you know you guys had a, a long discussion last night on Assembly Call Radio about shooting mechanics. Such a good discussion that you went back and listened to it again today. I did. To, I guess remind I yourself of what you said. Uh, I'm proud of it. <laughs> you know what? I'm kind of go. I kind of go just black when we're actually doing the show, and then I have to watch back. What did I say? So yeah. he, he woke up this morning. He's like, "God, I said some smart stuff yesterday. I got to yeah. go back and listen to." I really this did. If, if you can follow him on Twitter, he might be able to give a uh, transcription of yeah. what he said last night. Yeah, I'll that go you can back look and forward to at some point in the future. Just follow him on Twitter. Just follow him on Twitter, so he'll stop saying I tweeted this out. So he can just assume at rumors and rants. I, I won't have to say <laughs> that at rumors and rants. Um, but when it comes to shop mechanics, a couple guys stood out to me tonight. Tamar Bates is a <laughs> Not guy for good reasons. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Tamar Bates is a guy that we've talked about with the shooting. He was a good shooter in high school. We all know that it's a lot harder to shoot in college. The defenders are coming faster. The shot windows are smaller, and his feet are a mess right now. Um, yeah, you know, I think Tamar is an excellent player, you know, great teammate, like all those things. We're seeing yeah. flashes. He's going to be a star. Tamar's going to be is. a star. He is, but I think we've got to temper our expectations for what he's going to be as a shooter until he gets his feet worked out. The guy whose mechanics continue to impress me more and more every game are Jordan Geronimo's, yes. who I personally would yes. rate third on the team after Parker yes. Stewart and um, Anthony Leal. Yes. You want to talk real he quick about those two guys? So Tamar's and, and and you can go back and just search in for assembly call in the Tamar Bates scouting report. We talked about it then and, and we all talked about it because you can see it in video. It's pretty obvious. His feet are off center and, and his feet are tilted to the side. And when we talked about the shot mechanics last night on the show, it was the same. We had that same discussion that some guys can do that and, and, and make shots and they're just special They you know, there's something they've got. Steph Curry, it doesn't matter where his feet are. He's going to hit the shot. Um, but for a guy like Bates, who's not a knockdown 45% free throw or three point shooter, if there's an issue and you're missing shots, the way you fix it is by fixing your mechanics and squaring your feet to the basket, squaring your shoulders to the basket. Because where your feet go, your shoulders go. And that's a pretty obvious thing to say. But a lot of shooters will have their feet sideways and try and keep their shoulders square. It's very hard to do that once you jump because you're jumping from the balls of your feet, which are pointing away from you away from the hoop, but your shoulders are trying to face. So that gets your body all twisted up. So when we talk about mechanical adjustments, it's about putting your body in the best place to make the three-point shot. And and the way to do that is to be facing the basket and to be square to the basket. In most cases, again, there are crazy guys, there are you know crazy examples of guys who can do whatever they want and still make the shot. Uh, Jordan Geronimo has fixed his mechanics. He has fantastic mechanics. He has a very smooth shot. He is very square to the basket. If you watch when he jumps, he lands almost exactly parallel to where he where he took off from. And so he's got his feet facing forward when you know, his only problems come when he leans back when he shoots. And you'll see him maybe instead of jumping forward, you want to be jumping towards the hoop, not away from it or not open down. You want to go towards the hoop, put your momentum carrying you towards it. You see that sometimes he'll land behind where he jumps and that's uh, leaning back. It's a mechanical adjustment, of course. So again, that he's figured it out and he is square and he takes good shots and he's going to continue to become a better three point shooter as a result of that. Um, but, but Tamar, Tamar is a fantastic player. I, I, I've said it numerous times. I think he's going to be a star. He's just got to kind of get that figured out. Hey, there are plenty of guys who stepped on campus, not being able to knock down threes consistently and worked on it mechanically and left as excellent three point shooters. Yeah. He's got the touch. He's got that yes, part no. of it. 
It's nothing with the release or the rotation yeah. or anything. It's just he's not square to the basket. So he's twisting his body when trying to jump to shoot a uh, shoot a three. Christian Lander, we've talked about it, has the same thing. His release is a little low, but he gets good rotation on the ball when he does shoot it. The problem is he's off center. And so he's kind of throwing the ball up there. If you don't if, if you're not square to the basket, you don't have your whole body behind the shot, you're leaning one on, on the side you shoot the ball from. So Lander is leaning on his left side and sort of pushing it. And and Tamar is the same way. He's got to get his whole body behind the shot. And the way you do that is your leg square, shoulder square. And so again, I think that it's it, it's something that can be worked out. None of this is saying he can't do it. It's going to be awful. Uh, this this can all be fixed, and I think it will be fixed. This kid is going to be a great player at Indiana. Uh, you see it on the floor. His energy, his effort, his ability to finish, all of that stuff. You see right away and the charisma and the confidence and all of that. He's just got to get some mechanical things worked out with his shot. That's it. And and he'll be once he does that, once he can make that three, it's going to make him so consistently. It's going to make him so much more dangerous because they'll have to respect him and, and guard him out on the three. And that will give him ample room to drive. And with his athleticism, his quickness and his finishing ability, he's going to blow right by people. One last question for this segment while we're on the topic of shooting, you know, a lot of times when you play these early non-conference games, you play some cupcake games, there's stuff that turns out to be a mirage. Coach, this new kind of more versatile race Thompson, extending it out to three-point range, you know, taking open threes. I mean, he's, you know, every time he's open, he's taking it. When he gets a rebound, he's bringing it up, you know, initiating some offense. Are you buying this as a season-long thing, or is this something that when the defense tightens up, we're going to see him fall back to old habits? Um. I, I'm kind of buying it. He, he's going to have to make better decisions. He turned the ball over a little bit uh, passing today and was a little loose with it at times. But I, I think the way Coach Woodson wants to play, you need a stretch four, and and, a four, and he needs to play a little bit more on the perimeter uh, offensively. And, and we've all said it, his mechanics look good. He just needed to have the confidence and the green light to take him. And I think he's, what, one for four now or something uh, along those lines, um, hit some free throws. So, you know – Shot selection and shooting is just so tough because you need guys to shoot in order for them to make. And if they don't make it, you're kind of frustrated, but you need them to keep shooting. And there's always that point where you're going to have to maybe pull the plug if someone uh, has demonstrated over 10, 12, 13 games that it's not going in. Playing these types of games early, and yes, you got St. John's coming up, but the guy's got to shoot. Um, you know, And that's why it's important to shoot open looks as opposed to trying to impress the coach by taking a dribble up three or or a one-pass three with a semi-contested shot, because those are going to be hard no matter how good a shooter you are. Work the ball around, one more passing, uh, and, and Race needs to take it. He needed to take it the last three years. So I think it's going to be there, and we want to play at a pace. TJD can bring the ball up. Uh, I'm not sure Durer or, or Duncan, if they ever had significant minutes, will bring that ball up. But, yeah, let's get it getting out and go. That That's hard to guard. Uh, if, if you can get out and go go that way, so I think I'm 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 buying that. Hold that thought on Durr because we're going to talk about him here in just a second. Andy Bottoms has breaking bracketology news. Was there a big upset, Andy? Louisville loses at home to Furman, North Carolina, currently down to Brown in the first half. Also, and we're sitting here pretty at two and zero, and Mike Woodson <laughs> has the best winning percentage of any coach in Indiana history. That's right. Any coach in basketball history, you cannot be better. He said his team has played five times and he's won every time. Does basketball exist outside of Indiana, Jared? I didn't know that. 
This is a great day for Mike Woodson and his family. You're damn right it is. Okay. Uh, here we here we go. Uh, we're going to continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Northern Illinois. We're going to point out tonight's meaningful moments you might have missed. We'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. Stay with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Coach might eat more carrots. Oh, he's got them. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey guys, it's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. Hello, Gene Steratore. We're we listening talk to the- soon, Gene. What are you talking about? <laughs> You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with all three of my regular co-hosts, Ryan Phillips. Andy Bottoms, the coach Brian Tonsoni. It is time now for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. Meaningful moments that you might have missed. Let me talk about it, and then Ryan, I know you got to get out of here, so we'll get your thoughts on it plus your final thought. But you know, to me, look, I don't think this is going to be a moment that a lot of people miss, but it happened a while ago, so you might not have thought about it. But it was the entrance of Michael Durr into the game. I think we're all kind of wondering, hey, when are we going to see Michael Durr? This guy's really important. We need to get him out there. He's you know, had, having some knee issues. What's going on? Everybody was excited when they saw the news that he was warming up, and he got in the game. And immediately when he gets in the game, he shows you, oh, yeah, that's why this guy is so important. Defensively, he gets switched on to, what was the guard's name? Hankerson, the guy that made all the threes against Washington. Yeah. He gets switched on to him doesn't panic, forces him out even further back, farther back from the three-point line. You know, then the guy takes a long three and misses it. And then on the next offensive possession, gets the ball in the post. Trey Galloway makes a beautiful cut into the lane, has the vision to see him, and gets the assist. And it's like, oh, that's going to be our backup big man who can do all of that stuff? Yeah. We've continued to say Michael Durr is going to be the difference between two, three, four wins or losses this year. And I think you saw why. And it's not even really going to show itself that much in the non-conference when you get into big 10 play against all the good big men and all the depth in the big 10 you're going to need a guy like michael durr so just knowing that he's healthy enough to play and then that he's good enough and versatile enough to do that stuff 
I don't think you could have a more encouraging debut for Michael Durr. Ryan, your thoughts on that, and then uh, let's get your game ball picks and any other final thoughts you have, since you have yeah. such big plans for a Friday night. I, I do. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I thought that, that we'd be able to get a whole show in, but you know the ref show took over in the second half. Um, yeah, Durr looked really comfortable out there for not having played in a long time, and and I think that was the most impressive thing to me was just how impressive he looked and how comfortable he looked. Uh, that's a guy who, as you said, maybe the difference between a few wins because he's vitally important to be the backup to both Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, he can step out on the perimeter too. We've seen him do that. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think that it's vitally important that he plays and it's vitally important to this team that he got back and is going to be able to get some minutes in a game like this where it's a blowout. and There's not a whole lot of pressure on him. And and I thought he looked great. And, and it, the length defensively and the versatility defensively is going to be enormous for this team, especially because they like to switch the perimeter uh, at, at times. They won't they won't you know default to a switch, but they can switch. And he looks like he moves his feet and stays engaged and has a length to bother people out there. So. Uh, really, really encouraging. I thought that was maybe the biggest development of the game was, uh, uh, you know, the, the biggest positive development to come out of that game was that he played and looked comfortable and what do you get? 10 minutes, something like that. I mean, that's something you can build on yep. uh, moving forward. So I thought that was great. Uh, you want to give us game ball pick before you head out? Uh, game ball's got to be Trace. Uh, 19, seven rebounds and seven block shots. That's that's my game ball. I I. I I struggled with possibly Xavier Johnson, but because of how much he meant early on, but I, you got to give it to Trey, the block shots alone. I mean, he just, he was erasing everything in the first half and just sapped Northern Illinois confidence. And every time they drove after that, they were thinking he was going to block the shot. So it just influenced them. Uh, for the hustle award, I got to go race Thompson, 12 points, 10 rebounds, uh, really all over the place again. Uh, and, he, and he did all that in what, 16 minutes, you know, I mean, playing a full game, he, he would have been 20 and 15. Uh, so I, 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 I put him in there, but I, you know, I think you could have given it to Jordan Geronimo also. He was, he was all over the place when he was in there. Well, Ryan, thanks for being here. We hope you enjoy your Friday night. You're going to be with you. us Wednesday night for the St. John's game. I will be. Okay. Very good. And then Thursday again. Very good. It's that time of year. Uh, I guess. Go follow him on Twitter, everybody. Go back I and listen it. to his, I his to reiterate. shooting mechanics discussion. Yep. Go back and listen to his old scouting reports. He is Ryan Phillips. Um, Later, guys. Andy, meaningful moments for you that uh, folks may have missed. Uh, there was a stretch in the first half uh, that I you, really, when they blew the game open, I think leading into this stretch, it was 11 to 7. Uh, and then IU scored on five straight possessions and ended up over the next, I think, 11 possessions, scored 21 points. Uh, and none of those were scored by Trace, which is probably the most uh, maybe impressive thing uh, of all, just in terms of being able to get other guys involved, have other people contribute. That you know, that first sequence is when you know, Xavier makes a three, ends up hitting a layup. The play after that, Geronimo catches a lob. After that, Finnessy bails him out, made a good play, drawn a foul uh, at the end of a shot clock to, on that three-pointer. He made two of those. Galloway makes a layup, and then Rob made a three after that. And then you know, they had a couple other plays. I think the, the stretch that you talked about with Durr came shortly thereafter and kind of rounded out that stretch. I think for this team, obviously everything is going to run through Trace, and he's going to be the focal point. But for the supporting cast, even while he was on the floor for a, a portion of that to really be the ones that blew the lead out in that stretch. I think it was a 21 to four run 
over that stretch and the game was never close uh, thereafter. So that one stood out to me in the first half. I, I struggled to find a name the second half just because it was uh, so choppy with all the fouls. But uh, that, that one really is where things took flight in the first half. And even the possessions they didn't score on those 11 was a, a fantasy uh, where he, he got called for a charge, you know, driving to kick out that I thought was a good play, maybe a little bit, you know, late whistle. And then Durr had a, a post up and a hook shot was the other one that they missed during that 11 possession stretch. That's a good shot that you got. So I thought just a impressive stretch from the, uh, from the supporting cast of trace in that stretch coach. The other one for me that stood out is a sequence for Trey Galloway in the second half. Um, he got the ball on the wing, you know, kind of on a fast break and, you know, put up a three pointer with confidence, drained it uh, very next possession, had a really nice basket cut. Jordan Geronimo found him with a nice pass And I thought all the things that I was kind of critical of Trey for in game one, you know, playing out of control, defending, you know, you know, fouling too much, defending tonight was the inverse. I thought he was really, really good. You know, he drove in with a purpose, had some good finds. He had three assists. And I really think his shot looks better, too. And he's shooting with confidence. I mean, there's no like hesitation with him when he's got an open look. He's taking it. He was one of three from downtown tonight. What was he in the first game from three? I don't have it here, but at least over two, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not one or two. Yeah. He's not shooting a great percentage right now, but it looks better and he's shooting it with confidence, which, you know, gives me some hope that maybe he can be credible uh, from there. But I thought this was a good night for Trey. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't disagree with you about his game one performance, but I thought there were some unwritten things that he did well that, that sometimes coaches just like that we don't see uh, from the outside. And he continues to do that. His downhill nature is what I think gets him on the floor. Um, and the fact that he's not afraid to push the envelope and getting that ball in the lane and making uh, teammates better. That, you know, for an old fashioned guy, that drive and jump out of bounds and throw the ball diagonal out to three always that bugs me as an old guy because you're supposed to play off two feet, but it's effective. Uh, and it's the way the game is played right now. Um, and he can do that. And if he can knock down a shot or be a threat to knock down where you have to run at him, you know, if he if he just can't hit, then people aren't even going to close out on him. Right now, he's taking those shots and he hits a couple. Uh, he he's going to have to do that. But he is a, you know, um, a coach's kid. He's played a lot. He's been in the gym. He's played against older guys. Uh, and sometimes there's things you, that coaches see in players that you can't teach that players have. And I think he has a lot of those. Any other moments for you that stood out? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the point guard play. I I, I just like. Um, I thought the problem with the point guard play in game one was that they were trying to hit home runs and trying to prove that they could score and do some things. I thought tonight they tried to run the team. Uh, you, you saw it with Xavier Johnson saying slow down at sometimes. He recognized the break wasn't there. Instead of trying to go 1,000 miles an hour, he slowed the team down, got something in. Looking at the bench, knowing, pointing to the team where it needs to go. That is what a point guard needs to be, an extension of the coach on the floor. I think we saw that tonight. And the points opened up. I know Rob only had five, but Xavier, the points opened up, and he wasn't even really – trying to score but because he was aggressive in nature the ball found its way back to him and several times the the hand motions you that's confidence to me we we talk a lot about confidence at the three-point line rob's body language is so awesome right now that he's just in there the way he's moving is with intensity but they came out and tried to uh, change it up with a one-three-one soft zone. They weren't trapping. It's a one-three-one soft zone. Rob recognizes it. Doesn't look to the bench. He's pointing to where people go. Immediately gets the ball into the high post, and then it's a lob for a dunk for Geronimo. And that's the last time we saw the zone. That it, you know, that stuff that you see and you write down, but then you forget when it go when you score fifty some points. 
that was good leadership. I think the guards need to run the show and let their points find them and play with confidence when the ball finds you in an opening. Uh, I think each one maybe took one shot, one bad shot. Uh, Rob, here, here's the play. His um, three-point foul, he, he was going to have to take a bad shot because the shot clock was running out. But he had the poise and the confidence of a senior guard to shot fake and get three free throws. He hit two out of three. That's a big-time play because that's almost an automatic miss at the shot clock. You just hope it goes in. Yeah. Uh, and he got his two points. So I thought the point guard play was great. But I don't think it was perfect. I mean, too many—you know—too many turnovers, still some sloppy plays, and just not enough assist. I'd like to see a lot more drive in the lane with purpose. But it was night and day different. And I'll credit those two. Coach Woodson has said all the time he's trying to find point guards, trying to get the point guards to be a certain way. I think you saw what uh, a good glimpse of what Coach Woodson wants from his point guards tonight. Yeah, the thought I had watching the game tonight is with Rob in game one. I thought he was a shot hunter. And tonight in game two, I thought he was a shot taker. And that's what we want him to be because in the past, Rob has been a shot avoider, right? So we don't want him out there looking, you know, looking for shots when they're not there. But when he gets them in the flow of the offense, he's got to be ready to take them. And I thought he did that. And we we said, you know, it might take a little while to get used to these new roles and kind of get comfortable. And he looked a lot more comfortable with what he was doing offensively tonight. Man, man, I really think he is going to find his fit. Like he is a great sixth man guard I think I think it's really the perfect role for him you know to be able to come in not have as much offensive pressure he made some great defensive plays tonight I just I Mm -hmm. really think he's going to flourish in this role this year Alex says in the chat uh, that Rob's having fun again and it just looks like it I mean you can just really tell someone who's too tense and wanting to be wanting to do the right thing for the right reasons but playing he's just out there playing and and he made strides that your your commentary just right right on shot taker that's all you need. Run the offense, play great defense, and when the shots come, don't be afraid to take them. Uh, but don't go looking for them. Right? You know, yeah. Let others. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's time now to go inside the numbers. This segment sponsored by the Power Rank, where our friend Ed uses data and analytics to make accurate football and March Madness predictions. And he just did uh, a show with Scott over on Crimson Cast. So make sure that you go check that out. Uh, if you want sports betting advice with a PhD edge, or if you just like understanding sports at a more analytical level, uh, and heck, if you want to support someone who has been so generous with supporting our show, you should subscribe to Ed's free email newsletter. Uh, go to thepowerrank.com slash AC to subscribe. That's thepowerrank.com slash AC. All right, let's uh, let's dissect the numbers, guys, that tell the story of this game. Um, obviously, the biggest number that jumps out, Northern Illinois, 0.69 points per possession. That's a hell of a number. Um, Andy, what numbers jumped out to you? Well, I think we might as well start with one negative one just to get it out of the way. I think people will talk about the turnovers with 15 for IU in the game. Uh, I, I think that's... I mean, the number is a number, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that it didn't happen. But 11 of those came in the second half. They also forced 23 turnovers, uh, and it was a stretch about midway through the second half where IU turned it over on eight of 19 possessions when they really started to go to the bench. So I think when it again the number is a number, but it, it when it mattered, I thought they took good enough care of the ball to. Uh, to get there, uh, we touched on the free throw shooting a little bit earlier. I know that was one of the things that we talked about uh, last night when we, when we did a brief preview of the game. Northern Illinois put Washington on the line a lot, and Washington did not cash in on those opportunities. And IU uh, certainly did tonight. Twenty three of thirty uh, was a good number over a fifty percent 
uh, free throw rate with 56 field goal attempts. So uh, good numbers in that regard. And uh, offensive rebounding, we had another question about that last night as well. IU gets 11 offensive rebounds tonight, led to you know just 11 second chance points, but I uh, thought that was important. And then 37 points off the bench, I think speaks a lot to just being able to let a lot of guys get in on the action. Uh, and finally, another number that speaks to the defense, uh, 14 assists compared to three for Northern Illinois, who uh, had one at halftime. Wow. So just That's- really putting good pressure on the ball, making it hard for the other team to get into anything. And uh, and that was uh, that was that was, you know, indicative of the quality of the defense that was played. Yeah. Coach numbers for you, the biggest ones that tell the story. Well, 34.8 percent shooting. I know it's not great but that equates to over 50% from two. Uh, and we haven't been a great shooting team. And you, you said it earlier, if if I could guarantee 34.8 or higher uh, every game, or this is the floor, uh, then with the defense and the ability to drive from uh, a few of the guys and then our, our post-up game, I think that's okay enough to win a lot of games. Not, not, maybe not to go far in a tournament. You might have to shoot better uh, and find some lockdown shooters. but that's that's again you're seeing coach woodson's philosophy defense all summer defense all summer why because it just create this team won against a power five team whether it's a low pack 12 team or not they went on the road and beat that team and they did not have a chance because of uh, of the, the the defense so that shooting was a lot better tonight um and, and uh, there are there are no stats in the box score about shot selection but I bet if you had a grade for shot selection, the number, uh, the score, the letter grade, whatever, would be a lot better um, tonight. So that would be a number that I would uh, point out in, in film room. Each coach has their own way of statting that out. But uh, when I kept track of it, it just was it was good numbers. Always can get better, but um, good enough not to go crazy uh, <laughs> about the team. I'll tell you what jumps out to me is five for eight in 12 minutes. Those are the shooting numbers for Christian Lander and Anthony Leal in their first minutes of the season. And I thought it really said something about the attitude that those two guys have that when they got their first minutes of the season, they went out and played hard and they were aggressive and they really tried to make things happen. You know, sometimes, you know, a guy as highly recruited as Christian Lander, you know, hometown guy like Anthony Leal, you know, they may be expecting, you know, more than what they're getting right now. And I thought they went out there and really, you know, yeah, you know, Christian probably, you know, turned it over on his first possession and, you know, he's going to have his moments, Um, you know, but they just, they were out there looking to make plays. And if those are your 11th and 12th men, I think you're going to be in pretty good position. So I was just, I was impressed to see the attitude uh, that those guys attacked their minutes with. Um, Great to see, you know, great to see that those guys are clearly bought into what's going on. Hey, it's game two, you know, it's easy to be, uh, you know, to, to, to be feeling good about things right now. But I thought that was a great sign um, when they got in there. Any other numbers guys that we haven't hit yet that you wanted to point out? I I think just to go, talk about lander for a second he was the subject of a, a heated debate in the in the chat here for a little bit yes he was um i I, th- I think quite honestly like he showed you enough in the minutes tonight that you can see why he probably isn't playing more but you can also see where the talent is that says you can't really give up on him and you got to try to bring him along and figure it out um so i thought games like this and i think overall when you look at the non-conference schedule 
there should be opportunities for him to figure things out. But he made mistakes on defense. He turned the ball over, as you said. You know, I texted you guys like people want him to play. You can see why he's not, but you can also see the flashes of 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 where the talent is is not gone, and it's not a lost cause to try to figure out ways to get him minutes. Uh, and Leal, but you know, I think from a shooting perspective, you know, he made he made the open three that he had, but also you know got a put back on a on a rebound, got out and dunked. Um, he he's the kind of guy that you want because he really cares about wearing the uniform. The only other number that I had was, um, yeah, you know, talked about the turnovers. Twenty three turnovers for Northern Illinois led to twenty six points for IU. So for a team that has really struggled, you know, all those weren't in transition, and, and conversely, the fifteen turnovers for IU only turned into eight points for Northern Illinois. We talked about this so many times last year for a team that doesn't shoot the ball all that well. The opportunity to get some points in transition and get some points off of turnovers is huge. And uh, and I thought they did a good job of that uh, tonight and, and really overwhelmed Northern Illinois defensively. You know, the interesting thing about Lander and Leo, they're both developmental guys. And, and Lander came in with the expectations from a lot of us that he could play earlier. Uh, and the key is going to be um, the communication between the coaching staff and Lander to make sure that he's staying positive in his developmental role. Um, both of those guys, I think, struggle mightily defensively um, and are somewhat one-dimensional right now until they develop the other aspects of their game. That doesn't mean they're not bad basketball players, just other people are ahead of them in the rotation. Uh, and so that's going to be key for both of them is to keep practicing, keep working hard, be ready in case an injury or a certain game, you they need your skill level. But they're obviously going – and it's the same with, with Logan Duncan. But I, I think a lot of us thought that coming early as a five-star – that he would uh, play a lot earlier, and it's not. And sometimes I think he tries too hard to to make his mark when he comes in, and uh, he just needs to play play his game and understand that patience. Uh, win win the weight. We we call we talk that with younger kids who are have older kids ahead of them. Win the weight. Win the weight. Win the weight. And when your opportunity comes, um, it will be. And you just hope that he's a uh, you know okay with that. Uh, that that that'll be. Um, the issue but the other two point guards are playing much 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 better uh i don't, I don't see where the times uh can uh wh- where he can find time uh, right now so that that's that's my take and it was good to see him get in and get some get some run and have some positives uh to build that you always want that with your uh you know 11 12 10 11 12 guys yeah you can already tell early in the season Christian Lander is the hot button issue for the fan base right now. <laughs> you've got the you've got the folks that are just can't understand why the coaches aren't giving him more minutes, and then you've got you know the folks that are you know just don't don't see the talent and wonder how he's going to fit in. I think collectively we should all you talk about win the weight and have patience. I think as a fan base we need to have patience with Lander. It's hard to do with a yeah. five star point guard because the expectations are so great and the talent is so great. But I think now that, you know, we saw him play during his reclassification season, he clearly wasn't ready for big-time college basketball, but got some good experience. And right now he's just behind some other, you know, guys who may not be quite as talented or athletic as he is, but they're just more solid players right now. And so he's, you know, got to wait and work his way up. And it may be more of a two, three, four-year proposition than a guy like a Yogi who is a five-star and could come right in and play. So that's where we're at with him. So I think now that we've seen what this is going to be through the first couple games, now let's all just chill with it and let's see where this comes. And I don't think, you know, the Lander thing needs to be quite as as hot of an issue, divisive of an issue as it as it seems like it's been. 
Um, well, and I think anyway. the, the defensive piece of what coach said is a huge part of that, right? Like that's where he struggles the most. Like we can talk shot form. We can talk whatever else that was. He struggled a lot in that regard last year. And for a coach in Woodson who has talked about the emphasis that he's made on defense, you've got a guy like Rob, that's going to be hard to surpass from a defensive standpoint. And Xavier Johnson was really, really into it on that end of the floor. Like, I think it's, I, you know, sometimes we don't have to look that hard to figure out what the, what the answer is to what's going on, but that doesn't mean, you know, I, I don't know how that spins forward. I think you see where he is right now. You see why, and then you see how that evolves over the course of the year. And maybe it doesn't. And then, we go from there at that point, but if it doesn't, that probably suggests that Xavier and Rob are playing well, which is not the worst thing in the world, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, so anyway, no, yeah, I mean, someone you know tweeted out, you know, during the game, you know, why isn't he playing? And my response to them was, the standard for defense right now is at an extremely high level. I mean, <clears throat> everybody who was seeing the court for Indiana was playing incredible defense. And he's not ready to play that level of defense yet. And right now, Mike Woodson has said this is going to be a defense-led program. So that's where we are. And the kid's got tons of talent. I think he's going to really – him being on the program is going to really pay dividends down the road. And let's just be patient with his development because he clearly seems to be, right? He seems to be approaching it with a great attitude. And that's, you know, I think the greatest thing that you can see for a kid like that to show that level of maturity. Same with Anthony Leal. So – Great. I thought, I thought, I thought both those guys did a really nice job at their minutes tonight. And I think when we talked about what was the missed opportunity of Eastern Michigan, like, yeah, we, you know, we won and it's nice to get the experience winning a close game. The missed opportunity was not having another chance for Lander and Leal and Duncombe to get out there and play against an opponent that frankly, they should have been able to get out there and play against, you know, those are important minutes for those guys to build confidence because you're probably gonna need them at some point later this year. So Anyway, glad they got it tonight. They did a good job, as did you know everybody who saw the floor for Indiana. All right, coming up on the assembly call, time for segment three. We will hand out our game balls and then the Hoosier Hustle Award, and then we will look ahead to Indiana's next opponent before it's time for last call. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. 
Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Okay, both promos tonight were very critical of us. That's, I guess that's just how it is. Uh, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 9,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. Let's get that to 10,000. Join for free today at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Ryan had important Friday night plans, so he uh, he bailed early. But it is time now, gentlemen, for our game balls. Ryan gave his to Trace Jackson Davis. Very defensible on a night when Trey scored 19 points, had seven boards and seven blocks, and completely dominated the game in the first half. Uh, Coach, who gets your game ball? I I think I have to agree. It's Trace Jackson Davis, um, his seven blocks. His energy has to be, you know, one of the curses of being the best player in an All-American is is you've got to be on – you're expected to be on your game all the time, and you can't really slip. It's it's a little unfair over – 35, 36 games, hopefully, by the time the season's over. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit um, about that second half in the game one when things started to slip. It, it looked like everyone kind of just took a step back and you didn't see uh, any energy from the veterans. And I think uh, that was addressed as well because I thought coming out of the second half, the defensive intensity, while the offense wasn't as great in the second half, they came out and won the first five minutes and said, you're not getting back in this game. And then at the same point of, of – um, the second half where it started to slip away, it was already in the mid-30s. So even if it didn't start to slip, it wasn't going to end up like game one. But I credit uh, Trace Jackson Davis from energy. And, and really, we know what he can do offensively. Uh, he d- hasn't fouled. And we, he's got to play bigger, stronger guys. So that's still still going to probably uh, be an issue. But I thought his block shots, his uh, rebounding, his getting out and running, if your best player is your hardest worker, you're going to have a lot of good things. And for that, the stats were there. And I think uh, the behind the stats thing for Trace. Andy, your game ball. Yeah, I'm going to go with Trace as well. Uh, you know, just a, a really dominant first half performance. Uh, the way that he played, as, as coach mentioned, just his his altering of shots just deterred them from even coming into the lane uh, at all. And I think eventually just blocked so many that it, the one toward the end of the half probably was goaltending, but I think the referees were just like, well, this guy's just doing everything. So just, just let it ride. Clearly, uh, got under the skin of the, uh, Northern Illinois player who, who ended up, uh, who ended up shoving him and, and getting thrown out of the game, you know, and I'll kind of use that to, to give a positive for the, the, the $10 that I spent for BTN plus, uh, was the syncing of the radio call with Don Fisher and uh, and hearing Ted Kitchell do games again. Yes. But one of the things that Fisher brought up uh, was just about, I think he said, Trace played harder in these two games than he played in his first two years or something to that effect <laughs> that he said. Um, and I think that's probably right, really, when you look at it. You know, you guys talked about the play where he blocked the shot and then sprinted and got the lob in the, uh, you know, in the opener. But just really asserting himself as a leader and as a guy who's putting forth the effort, I think that was things that we we had come on and criticized him for at, at times in games of not being as assertive as he needed to be and not really um, controlling the game in a way that he was able to. Uh, I think, you know, two-game sample size. So 
uh, you know, twice as big a sample size as we had after after the first game. But, uh, you know, I think I thought that for a guy who's watched as much Indiana basketball as Don Fisher to make that as an observation was pretty good. Uh, also became clear that Ted Kitchell, not a fan of the uh, dribble weave handoff at the top of the key. Uh, I like how he kind of fit that in, clear, clearly throwing shade at, uh, at, at the prior coach. Man, I loved hearing Ted Kitchell's voice, man. That brought me back to watch. It was kind of funny. It was unexpected. I, I, yeah, it was funny. I had I had seen that they were going to sync the radio call, but I just assumed that it was uh, Eric Sir. So I assume he just had something else going on, and and they had brought Kitchell in to do it. But it did uh, it did bring back some fond memories of of hearing him uh, talk through the game. So it was it was good all around. It's always a little disorienting to watching a game with a radio call <laughs> over it because, yeah. you know, because there's just constant talking with a radio call and you're used to, you know, when you're watching it with the TV announcer, you know, they kind of let the game breathe a little bit. But when it's fixed, but at times when, but at times when you couldn't see where the ball was, I mean, it was helpful given. So you're good. That is true. In this scenario, man, you guys brought up a great point about trace. You know, usually the superstar player doesn't get talked about if in relation to hustle awards and stuff like that, because you just, you kind of assume it like that's just what that guy is supposed to do. And look, I think trace has played hard his first couple years, but I think he's found another gear. Like he doesn't make that play in the Eastern Michigan game, you know, recovering for that block shot, being almost, you know, all the way under the basket and then sprinting to the other end to make that dunk. He doesn't make that play last year. You know, some of the blocks that he got today, he doesn't make those plays. So he's playing with another gear. Um, and I think that is just a great sign uh, for the rest of the season. So he he would be a worthy guy for the Hustle Award. Uh, he would get my game ball too, but I'm just going to throw in a dissenting vote for Xavier Johnson um, because I thought he was really, really good. And I actually think that part of the reason why Trace was able to get some of the block shots is that the ball pressure was so good that by the time some of the guards got into the lane, they were just kind of throwing stuff up. <laughs> Trace was the beneficiary a couple times because he was able to just come over and swat the garbage they were throwing up because the ball pressure was so good. Um, and I thought Xavier Johnson really keyed that, but offensively he was terrific and there's going to be ups and downs with him tonight. It was mostly ups, you know, in a game where Indiana controlled it from start to finish. Um, but he really showed you what his upside is. Um, and especially with, you know, with Parker and Miller cops struggling to make some shots, you really need what Xavier Johnson brings you to get the offense going and to create opportunities for guys. Um, and he did that. So I thought he was, uh, he was really, really good tonight. All right. Now it's time for our Hoosier hustle award sponsored by our friends at Evansville security services. And Evansville Security Services, based in the hometown of IU legend Calbert Chaney and hopefully future legend Christian Lander, uh, they provide off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana. Remember that prevention cannot be measured, so let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. Guys, who's your hustle award? Uh, Andy, you go first. It was down to two guys for me um, between race and Xavier Johnson. I'm going to go with Xavier Johnson. I thought, again, if I go back to the first half when the game was somewhat in question for at least a part of it, I uh, thought he really set the tone there. Race did a lot of his damage in the second half, and a lot of that was, you know, had a couple of putbacks and some hustle things there. But I really thought, you know, if you look at Johnson's first half box score, he played 16 minutes, had 13 points, three assists two steals and a block and a couple rebounds. Just thought he did a little bit of everything and really set the tone uh, for the team as you described. So I'll, uh, I'll give it to him because I think he's, he's worthy of, of mention after this game. Coach. 
I, I'm all with uh, Xavier Johnson. I, I thought he was just fantastic uh, in, in the first half. Uh, and you know what? It started with the charge. I, I think it was the first defensive possession. He, he gets his uh, feet outside the restricted right. area and takes a charge. And, and I really believe sometimes your defense sets the tone. You, you, you get that. You get the juices flowing. And, again, his pace of downhill play um, and his ability not hunting shots – uh, I thought the first three he actually made, he hunted that a little bit. Uh, he got a rebound, dribbled back out, but you know he was he was somewhat open and he, he banged it. So it's not a bad shot if you if you bang it in there. But uh, I just thought he really set the tone with running the team, and and that's what this team needs. And boy, you know he can score from Pittsburgh. You know he can uh, assist. It's that taking care of the ball. And, and not trying to be the guy guy because there's so many other people on this team. If he can really master that, uh, th- this team will, will see a, a lot of growth. So uh, I, I echo Andy there. That, that first half was tremendous, and I thought it was a heck of a lot different than, than game one. I yeah. forgot about that charge, Coach. That, was, that yeah. really kind of was a way to get – I think he drew that on Hankerson as well. Um, yeah. Maybe just because it was so freaking long ago that that actually happened, that it was you know, over three hours ago that I've, I've lost frame of reference. With that meaningful moments that you might have missed. Because the, other the officiating, thing it, it drug the game out two extra hours. There. Yeah. The, the thing about getting your star a first foul, too, is that it takes some aggressiveness away from your leading scorer, especially when driving the ball. And so you get, a, you get the first foul in the first 20 seconds, first possession. Now it's in his mind. I get that second file. I'm auto, you know, auto sitting or or maybe sitting for a big portion, and and th- those are some unwritten things that happen in a game. And and again, he was a a complete team player. And, and I'm not saying when he's not a team player, he's selfish. I'm just saying he he executed his role tonight, uh, and that's that's hustle to me. Yeah, I mean, gosh, on a night like tonight, I think you could give it to Trace. I think you could give it to Race. I think you could give it to Xavier. Uh, I'm actually going to throw in a vote for Tamar Bates um, because it's going to lead into one thing that I think is is worth talking about, which is that I think defensively, Tamar Bates is going to be awesome. He's going to be a real problem on the perimeter because of his length and because of how hard he plays defensively. He really plays hard. Now, that said, right now he's a little bit of a mess out there because he falls for every pump fake and every pass fake, and he's playing so hard that he's getting out of balance and he's overrunning things. And so, you know, he's getting driven on some and he's giving some things up right now. But I love, you know, we all, you know, a couple of the things that we always talk about that freshmen struggle with, right? You know, we talk about the shooting and we also talk about just the energy and the effort and the awareness that you need to play defense at this level. Well, he's working on the awareness part, but he's got the energy and the effort level. And I love to see that from a freshman. He's got the energy. Like you can tell, he enjoys playing defense. And so I think you see all the seeds that you need to see of a guy who's going to be a really good perimeter defender once it just slows down for him a little bit. You know, it's just everything's going a little bit too fast for him, but the effort's there. Um, And that's, you know, he's got all the physical tools. So once it slows down, he's going to be a really good defender out there. Coach, you had some... (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm being Mr. Positive. I had a lot of reflection from Tuesday night. Did a lot of mm, thinking about, you know, my role on this uh, podcast. And uh, I'm not my, – my text thing messages was this state. He was a little wild tonight. It wasn't that negative. It was just a great folksy saying that I had never heard before. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no, he, uh, a good way to, a good he way ran a lot. He, he ran a lot of miles in, in running for the closeout, <laughs> then back and then back to closeout. Then, uh, yeah, he's learning the college defensive game. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, okay. So Xavier Johnson gets it and trace gets the game ball Two very worthy choices. Uh, so let's see coming up here on the show, we should have new episodes of the inside scoop and the grace burger show coming next week. Uh, schedules are all a little bit different now since the season started. So we got to coordinate with Tamar and with Grace to get those done, but be on the lookout for those. And then, uh, Andy, we got our first real test of the season Wednesday night against St. John's. Uh, at last check, they were 49th in Ken Palm. What can you tell us about St. John's? Well, I don't know that you can take a great deal from their opener against uh, Mississippi Valley State. Uh, who many of us will remember from many a, a Tom Crean non-conference schedule, uh, but and and the alma mater of Jerry Rice though, uh, but they they won by fifty-eight if my math is correct and uh, are ranked uh, first in effective field goal percentage based on shooting eighty percent on twos and fifty-two percent on threes in that game. Uh, so I don't know that you take a whole lot away from that. They do play St. Peter's uh, tomorrow. And uh, and so that will probably tell us equally little. Just in terms of personnel, the two guys to really watch are Julian Champagne, six uh, eight forward, and uh, Posh Alexander, who's a sophomore point guard, who's really good defensively and uh, and fun to watch. So if you look back last year, which probably gives you a little bit better idea of what they want to do, uh, they really want to push the pace. So I would expect a ton of possessions in this game if IU really does in fact want to play fast. Uh, average possession length for St. John's last year they were ninth. Uh, their first, I believe, after the first game. Um, perhaps that's a reflection on Mississippi Valley State's defense. A, a little bit, you know, kind of goes back to what we talked about last night with, you know, with Washington and, and losing to Northern Illinois. Did Northern Illinois take a lot of threes because they wanted to, or that's because what Washington gave them? How good is Washington tonight would suggest? Perhaps not very good. Uh, <laughs> we'll kind of see about that. So, um, but they do want to play fast. I think that's a big thing. They, they uh, defensively will give up a lot. Uh, but they do turn you over. They want to play fast. It's a Mike Anderson team, so uh, he's he's made the rounds a little bit from a college perspective. So been at Arkansas, been at Missouri, um, and so they want to play fast, try to turn you over. So I think the turnover number is going to be really important for IU as you look to that game, but there's going to be good shots uh, to be had if IU can handle the pressure. And I think as we think about point guard play from tonight, it's a – you know, the Xavier Johnson's probably going to be the barometer on how the team plays in that game. If he can really play under control, uh, but put pressure on them and really handle the pressure that they're going to have. I think IU plays really well and, and is successful in that. If he gets sped up, gets caught up in that, turns the ball over, uh, does some of those things. I think that that becomes, uh, you know, maybe, maybe more of a challenge, but St. John's is a decent team. I think they will be, uh, on the bubble come tournament time, the Big East is pretty much once you get past Villanova, is pretty wide open. But they'll be uh, they'll be right there. Got a couple couple really good players, and so those are the guys to watch from my perspective. Okay, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code Home at checkout. That's H O M E at checkout to get fifteen percent off your first order. Uh, time for last call, guys. Quick update. The Kim Palm ratings have updated. Indiana moves up from 38th to 36th. 
The defense currently 15th in the country uh, after tonight's stellar effort. Uh, so that's uh, that's wonderful to see. Indiana's two-point defense right now. Uh, the Hoosiers holding opponents to 30.3% on twos, which is pretty good. Obviously very early, and the competition is very low. Uh, but just some interesting trends to note uh, here early in the season. Time for last call, gentlemen. Coach, why don't you go first? Yeah, really good night uh, tonight. Uh, again, I think led by the defense w- was still far ahead of, of the offense, and that's just because the defense is really solid. And, and the offense showed you what it could do. Uh, th- there still are some things uh, that need to be built in into this offense. And, you know, the sample size talk that came out of uh, game one is also, you know, relevant for this game too. Um, and then it starts, you know, ratcheting up here with some better – uh, competition. Uh, the team continuously needs to get better, but this is what I uh, kind of expected. And and yeah, Indiana's going to lose some games, uh, but this was um, what we kind of thought was happening in the summer. Uh, and we all said we got to wait till we see it. And then Tuesday night happened, and, and so this was really needed for a lot of us. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not uh, hoping we don't have any other uh, bad runs because those carrots really sucked. Are we sure we're going to lose some games? Five and zero now under this coach. Just I, I hope not, <laughs> I, but I, I sure hope not. Uh, Andy, last call. Uh, a good bounce back performance. Uh, as much as you can have a bounce back performance from a you know an opening game, I, I just think every game you're going to learn a little bit more about the coaching philosophy and a little bit more about this team, the rotation, everything. And I think what we have. The the best handle on so far is that the defense is going to be what this team's identity is. And I think there's been too many times the last few years when we had no idea what the team's identity was going to be. And comments that Woodson made in the offseason leading up to what his, you know, what his focuses really were uh, as we go through there of those uh, foci. Is it foci? I don't know. Maybe I don't think focuses is the right to the right right word there but um you know he made that that was an emphasis point of him and we've seen that in pretty much everything that we've seen from this team so uh that part of the the promises made i think they're 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 making good on the offense i don't think we know i you know again i think everybody has said i'll sign up for the three-point shooting that we saw tonight even though they missed some open shots uh, and the roof was ready to blow off Assembly Hall a couple of those times when guys took open threes when the, in the middle of a run. Um, so if they can continue to make improvements there, I, I think there's a lot of good things and a lot of things to like about this team, a lot of guys who can contribute, as we saw uh, tonight. So I'm going to be optimistic about that, that some of those things turn around and there'll be ebbs and flows to that. But ideally, the defense is good enough to keep them in every game. And then you got to try to figure things out from there. And that's when some of it falls back on coaching and what adjustments can you make to be able to get your offense in a position uh, to score when maybe that's not the best thing that you've got going. So uh, good performance tonight. I think we've seen two kind of extremes to a certain extent on the uh, on on different ends of the floor. And so we'll uh, St. John's will be a good test. But I like the fact that they've got a few days to prepare for that, rest up a little bit, but also be able to go back and look at some film of what they what they did and prepare for a team that plays a little bit of a unique style. Uh, which is one of the things that I kind of liked about the non-conference schedule is that there's a, a variety of styles that the teams I use going to play that hopefully prepares them well for the Big Ten. Yeah, you know, my prevailing thought from this game, uh, to quote a bracketologist who looms over other bracketologists like Chris Dapps Porzingis. This kind of game is fun. This was fun. 
This is fun. That's all I kept thinking about in the first half is this is fun. It was really fun to watch. And not like the 90 seconds here or two minutes there of fun that you would get, you know, like every month watching an Archie Miller team. This was like fun for like 28 straight minutes or so. And then it was still fun towards the end as, you know, the other guys got in there and kept playing hard and kept doing things. It was yeah, a I struggle. I struggle a little bit to figure out where I at what point over the years have I been actually saying that things were fun. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, a number of Those times old they were. Bites, Andy. Yeah, Those apparently a number of times they were. But I'll be damned if I can remember when they were. The old old sound bites. Um, but no, it's a fun style, and the guys were having fun, and you know, and they were playing hard, and it just it, it's such a breath of fresh air, and you know the. The one, I guess, set of guys or, or the one person that we haven't really given a ton of credit to tonight is the coaching staff. But I think it really says a lot about, you know, the the the, the buy-in that Mike Woodson has gotten from the players so far that after game one where the clear issue was, hey, we relaxed and we can't relax. And tonight they didn't really relax. They had a really short lull in the second half as they're, you know, kind of working some new guys in. But then even then toward the end, they turned it back up and they were still playing hard the whole time. And so I think to go from game one where that was the clear issue, you know, and, you know, some some offensive things with guys taking too many shots and those things got better in this game. And, you know, there wasn't a lull in this game. And I just think to see that kind of improvement from game one to game two and just to know that, hey, this team has gone out there five times in different situations against different you know, types of teams and they've won every single time they're building a habit of winning. Those are all really good signs. And yes, of course we're going to lose some games and there's going to be ups and downs, but I just, I really like seeing that, you know, and it really does seem like a team that's connected to each other, a team that's connected to the coaching staff early in the season. And, uh, that's all you can ask for really at this point. Alrighty. Well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for the music that you hear on the show. And special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. And thank you, of course, for listening. We will be back to talk IU Hoops again with you on Wednesday night. Until then. Take it from me, Rob Tennessee. Keep your eyes on the rim and your elbows in. Go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Here I come. This is Don Sony. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, coach. Thanks. It's, it's a lot better. <laughs> yeah. much, hey, here's much a fun, here's the fun thing. You know, I'm watching. I get to see all these comments in in the, in the chat well, about how they're so glad the pack line's gone. The pack line sucks, and the pack line this. Yep, I, I did. I'm in charge of the defense at Western. You know, we run everybody. We run the pack line, <laughs> and we won 17 games two years in a row, and, and we shut people down. Uh, it's just a system of basketball. Uh, you know, actually, I use defense was top 30. So I would encourage people to move off off the pack line is horrible because Virginia gets beat by Navy. It, it's like any defense. You got to execute it right. If you don't, you're going to get beat. If you execute the defense right, you're going to win. So it, I just I chuckle. Let me let me pull a Ryan. But there's no Western post game show. There really should be one of these years. We need to come up there for a game and then do a post game show. And just rip the coaching staff. <laughs> 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 but um. 
So I'm going to pull a Ryan real quick. I tweeted this out earlier and it, to the point that you made, because I, I caught myself thinking about this tonight, watching some of the exact same players play defense, you know, in this system and comparing it to them playing defense in the old system for a coach who clearly knows how to coach defense in a system that has worked. And it's, you know, I think the sometimes we overrate some of that stuff and tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I think 80% of defense is just getting good pressure on the ball and having the guys off the ball give a shit and pay attention. And then the other 20% is tactics and strategies and, you know, matchups and all this other stuff that you do. But that stuff isn't going to mean anything if you don't have the first 80%. And so much of that is just about culture and chemistry and having the right guys and just having, you know, guys going out there enjoying what they're doing, like we're seeing right now. For whatever reason, we didn't have that the last few years. And who knows? Come February, we might not have it here, but you certainly see it and you just see the difference. Like, is that a is that an accurate weighting no, of the I think percentages? It, I, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is whether what offense you run, what defense you run, is can you communicate it, can you teach it, and can you get guys confident in it? Um, you, you know, uh, Coach Marlowe and I talk all the time, and he likes to run the flex, and I didn't like to run the flex. He was a good coach. I think I was a good coach. But the thing is, I, I guarantee you that the two of us in our respective programs when we ran them, and, and what I work now with the guy that I work with, we sell what we do. Uh, and it's a people thing. And, and I think Coach Woodson is a people-driven person with high accountability. And, and and he's going to, you know, do what he needs to do to get done. But you just see this team is playing basketball, not thinking about basketball. Uh, so I don't know where that fits in, in 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 your numbers. But I think I've always said the best coaches now get majors in psychology. You want to you be a coach, get a major in psychology. Uh, and then you can go to clinics and learn X's and O's and plays and make decisions that way. But if you can really get the most out of your personnel, uh, then, then you're going to achieve. And I think coach Woodson's doing it. I thought he did that even Tuesday night. I mean, um, previous renditions of this program would have lost, um, uh, Tuesday night. And, and I think you see some of that the last three minutes of putting that game away, even in stress as a result of, uh, he believes in his guys, uh, and you can be tough. I mean, we're tough on, on our guys. Um, they run a lot, you know, and but what, what's nice is when you build that culture and you call a kid over and you're like, hey, Mike, you let you gave up baseline. Yeah, I did. I got nine. Right. Yep. OK. He goes, runs a nine, comes back, smacks you on the butt, goes right back in, wishes you a happy birthday. You know, I mean, it's just it's fun. It's fun when it's rolling um, like that, you know, and we'll have really bad nights and kick him out of practice, too. And, you know, um, I just think that is an unwritten. We talk stats and we talk strategy. I think Coach Woodson does a really good job of communicating. I, and I haven't been in there, so I don't know. But I just get the feel that these guys know where they stand, whether they like it or not. It's up to them then. But it just shows. It just shows in how they're playing. Yeah, and remember, even on bad nights. And remember, Virginia, whatever defensive system they were running, they won a national championship when they had three NBA guys playing their asses off. Four NBA guys <laughs> playing their asses off yeah. makes a difference, you know. So the dudes that you have doing it makes a big difference. So anyway, I got to, I got to run stuff. Soccer game to go to two basketball games coach tomorrow. So I'm, uh, I'm going to call it a, well, actually I'm probably not going to call it. And I probably watched a little bit of the U S men's national team game here in, in the queen city and, uh, and talk, try to talk myself out of staying up for, uh, UCLA and Villanova at 1130. Really what state? What, what television station is that on? I was, uh, I was looking for that. Do you I know? don't know. I think it's on 
one of the uh, ESPN networks. I'm not sure. But anyway, I what I really look forward to, and I tweeted this out during the thing, is I can't wait to see what Tony does for the film room, given the camera work on this. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. I just what cannot, cannot wait. Yeah. Uh, good luck, Tony. <laughs> yeah. I was doing this the whole time. <laughs> uh, hey, IU why Rutgers. Don't, why tomorrow. don't you just tell me if the shot went in? I don't yeah. need to see it. I just need somebody to tell me. He, he's going to do his whole film room on the art of the dribble. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a good and one. Def- for like... And defensive stance of Northern Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Guys are moving <laughs> off the ball here. Probably. Yeah. I said, yeah, a lot of use your, use your imagination as to what the other eight players on the floor might be doing right now. If you saw this play, you would have seen a heck of a screen at the baseline, followed by a great post move. Uh, hey, are we going to win a Big Ten football game tomorrow? Yes. Okay. I hope so. Quarterbacks are coming back. Of course, when I can't go down and tailgate and enjoy a win, they're going to win. So, I hope so. Uh, I sure hope so. so. All right. I will see you guys later. Coach, happy birthday. Enjoy. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See you all. Have a good one. See you inside the community.